Triple Play Fantasy's football show with D. Mindy, Brastadamus, Doc, and Johnny Foosball starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. A proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the FantraxHQ.com fam. The Mendy here, joined tonight by the Doc himself, the man of many Super Bowl bets. What's going on? Yeah, you know, I usually talk myself up. I lost every single Super Bowl bet, but a lot of them were Chiefs related. So it was a hedge. <laughs> And probably a lot of people lost as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people were putting a lot of stuff on Chiefs bets. So you're not alone in that regard. But also joining from the normal crew is the smooth operator himself. It's the Brad Stradamus, Brad Kilwer. What's going on? Nothing much, man. It's been a while. It's a beautiful day to talk football, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Let's get into it. Yeah, we missed you last week, man. It's always you're the, the steady calm presence that we need on this show. I feel like it's been a few weeks I've missed. Yeah, I think you missed two out of the last three. It's definitely not the same without you not being here, man. Um, but it, we don't know Johnny this week, so we had to step up and bring in somebody better. And joining the pod, <laughs> we welcome in a man who's not sure if he's ready for his second child that's on the way after his daughter's meltdown at the bowling alley last week. A fan <laughs> tracks and fantasy pros, baseball and football rider, a girl dad, this dude is about to be jet flying into some hard hitting Super Bowl and fantasy analysis. We welcome in Justin Johnson. What's going on, man? Hey guys, how's it going? I appreciate you guys having me on. You guys are doing doing big things with this show, man. I see you all on my Twitter timeline all the time, and it and uh, it's pretty crazy following up guys like Matthew Barry and, and JJ Zacharias. And uh, I can't say I'm going to bring that level of uh, knowledge and and just overall abilities in the fantasy football community. But I, I, I'm excited to, to you know, kick it with you guys and talk whatever we're going to talk. Yeah, dude. I mean, to be honest, you just started now going with fantasy pros. Like, you're like you're the real deal, man. Fantrax and fantasy pros, you're double dipping into two of the hardest hitting places to give analysis. I mean, how, how did you uh, even, where were you doing when you got the call from fantasy pros? Because that had to be exciting. Um, uh, actually, I, I just kind of reached out looking to, you know, maybe branch out a little bit just to try a little side gig. Uh, I'm, I'm only part time with them. So they're not hiring me on as a, you know, a full gig where I'm going to, I'm going to go away from fan tracks or anything like that. You know, yes. fan tracks, fan tracks. Uh, no, no, we're staying a fan track, man. <laughs> hey, I like it. I like it. Loyalty. Yeah, no, nah, man. Fan tracks, uh, you know, Eric and, um, Doug and, and all of them, they gave me my first real shot at, I mean, all right, not to take away from Michael at SP Streamer, if he listens, sorry, buddy. <laughs> but uh, Fantrax gave me, you know, my first real chance to, to, to get out there in the community. And, and I definitely won't be going anywhere any, anytime, uh, anytime soon from them. Um, you know, going to hopefully get some good stuff going on Fantasy Pros while also contributing to Fantrax. I love that. Um, put the best content I can out there. It's great content. You had, you had an article recently, I know it's a different sport, but for baseball, where you had the top five, five-tool players, or I think it was something like that, and you've got like 100 likes on it. Like People respect your stuff, man. Like you put out some just some gold, and it's for free, too. Like You could be charging for what you're doing. <laughs> what, do you got? what do you got in number one? Who's your, who's your number one five-tool? Let's start with a little baseball talk. Man, <laughs> I, I told you before the show I'm a Falcons fan, and I'm a Braves fan, too, so you know I got to go Acuna. with my boy Acuna. Man, okay. without a doubt, I, I like I told David, I, I draft Ronald Acuna. If I, whenever I have the chance, 
I draft him. I don't, I don't care who it is. I don't care where I'm picking. Even in 2018, everybody told me not to pick him in the first round. I said, screw this. I'm going to Cunha, and I did. But not, not, not to get way too far into baseball. I know we're here for football. <laughs> you, guys, you guys need a new manager that's not worried about all the bad flips and stuff. They need to let him be himself. <laughs> yeah, I know. I we're, we're, it's, it's, it's one fun and exciting team in Atlanta, at least. Uh, I can't say the same for much of anybody else. So before we, we dive in here, I just got a question. So what's the jet flying part of your name? I was always curious. Okay, so I don't know how familiar you guys are with WWE, WWF. Um, it's a it's no. a big Ric Flair no. spill. He, he goes off on this huge oh. rant. It's really popular. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, he goes off on this big uh, tangent. And um, me and my buddies back in college, we oh it wasn't me i wouldn't be the one that led the charge but i one of my buddies would always just shut the bar down for a second tell everybody to listen up and he would just go off on that rick flair tangent and everybody would go wild afterwards and it just always kind of stuck with me the jet flying part just my name starts with J, and whenever he says jet flying it's, it's towards the end of the spill and whenever i made my twitter name it's just what i decided to do i didn't want to be you know, the normal JJ Roto or, or JJ FF or, or you know, anything like that. I, I figured I would do something different. No, so I this entire that. time, I thought it was JJ the jet plane, like that, that cartoon growing up. <laughs> oh, wow. I thought oh, it was man. like, I forgot I about was, that. <laughs> I thought it was like a spinoff of that. This is news you to me. You just gave me like, you just had like a childhood memory unlocked. I remember like eating oatmeal in the morning and watching JJ the jet plane. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, unfortunately, it's not JJ the jet plane. It's uh, trying to bring a little swag to my profile with, with a Ric Flair drip. I love it, man. I, I, <laughs> I got to give also a shout out to Chris Clegg for giving me the story about your daughter's meltdown because I was trying to find something funny to hook in and he was like, yeah, bring up that story. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's, uh, that was uh, that was an interesting day. It was It was her first time at the bowling alley and she expected to roll the ball every single time. And if it wasn't her... It was the end of it, man. She would oh scream, snot coming out of her nose. It was <laughs> it was brutal. We 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 left uh, halfway through the first frame. I think we were supposed to go two. Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I, I love that she's wired to expect greatness at the beginning. That's, that's a good sign. <laughs> she gets that from me and, and, and her mom. We're uh, both pretty it. competitive. It's <laughs> a good sign. It's a good yep. sign. I love that, man. Well, we're glad you're here because the off season is finally here. And we're firing up off-season content like there's no tomorrow. When draft day comes and the season is here, we want to make sure you're in tip-top shape to take down your league. No BS short-term podcast fixes here. No, 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 no. That means subscribing to this podcast, listening to these episodes, getting all that info you need, and ultimately seeing results, baby. The process begins when you do. And in today's episode, we have the Super Bowl 55 recap show. And there's a lot to break down what we saw this past Sunday. We've got five topics from this game that we're going to break down with these guys right here. Things that are up for debate or things that could potentially have changed and the outcome for both sides, you never know. Stay tuned for that. Tons of great stats and discussion coming your way. After that, we'll go to our question of the week. Would you rather lose multiple Super Bowls in a row or not make, it at, make any at all? If so, how many in a row would you draw the line at and tap out? And as always, we have our game of the week revealed at the end of the show. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then, man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it! Yeah! Bruh. You've, been focus- You've been doing those vocals, David. That was a long hold. I like it. Uh, practicing. 
<laughs> we'll start off with some news and notes. And Look at the production value. <laughs> I, I I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm stepping it up. I feel like we're uh we're getting big we're time. Big now. Time. Yeah, I love it. Well, it was all for Justin, actually. So I just wanted to impress uh, him. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. But um, yeah, I'm ready to see the website whenever you get that going too. I saw I saw that Twitter post. Ooh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a little sneaky. <laughs> That'll hopefully be up by the end of the month. Um, we didn't even tell him to nice. say that. <laughs> so a lot of kind of quarterback news right now. <laughs> just, Justin, we're gonna have to have you plug our stuff, man. You're you're the better <laughs> plug than we are. Uh, but there's a lot of quarterback news right now. Let's start off with Carson Wentz, who actually I was prepared to change my entire notes. I thought he already would have been traded by now, but he's expected to have a new team soon. They said within a few days, that's been a few days and he's still not traded. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. The Eagles are said to be looking for a Matthew Stafford type package for the ESPN.com duo of Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen. The bears and the Colts have expressed the most interest. Brad, what do you think? Where do you think he's going? And do you think he is going to have any type of fantasy value where he goes, similar to what he had at his peak with Philly? You know, it's interesting. My uh, my day job used to be in finance, right? So um, the thing about stocks that we would always say is, you know, any stock can be a good stock depending on what you pay for it. And I think the same is true with, you know, these assets in football. It's like I would love to have a Carson Wentz or – um a uh, Derek Carr as my quarterback for Washington if we didn't have to fork up, you know, a first-round pick for him, which is – it's seeming like that's the, the going rate for these guys. So Carson Wentz is coming off a terrible year. Um, but if they want a first-round pick for him, it's a no-go for me. If, you know, he was somebody you could just sign off the, the waiver wire or somebody that you could – you know, if he was a free agent you could sign for cheap, that's completely different. Um, in terms of fantasy assets, Carson Wentz is not even on my radar. Um, Derek Carr is a lot more interesting to me because I think there's there's probably 15 teams that would see an upgrade with Derek Carr as their quarterback. Mm. So I think it's clear to me, like he's an above average quarterback. 15 is the mark, right? So, you know, depending on where he lands, he could add value. I'd draft him and, you know, the middle to back end of the of the draft, if I could, but um, I think neither of those guys are, are somebody that you you know reach for in a draft like a like a Deshaun Watson. Well, yeah, we're actually going to touch on Deshaun Watson in a second, so it's a good lead in there, Brad. JJ, what about you, man? What do you for Carson Wentz for Derek Carr? Do you expect both to be traded? Do you have an idea where you think they're going, and what do you expect their fantasy values to be next year? So I definitely think Carson Wentz is gone. Where to, I think that's going to be either probably Indianapolis. Uh, I can't really, I don't see the Patriots paying for him. It's possible, but I doubt it. Chicago, um, Chicago's in the Chicago, middle. Chicago looks yeah. like the most likely right now. I, I think Indianapolis would be the best fit for him. If he goes to Chicago, I'm not touching him. Um, especially because Allen Robinson wants out of there and he's probably yeah. going to, he's going to get out of there. Um if if Wentz goes to Indianapolis, I am somewhat interested because of that offensive line and that run game can kind of relieve some of that pressure that he experienced in Philadelphia. I mean, I think he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL this year. Um, some of that was his fault. He held on the ball way too long, uh, made some horrible throws this season. Um, 
I think he does have value personally uh, because he can move. First of all, you know, he can run the ball. He's, he's deceptively athletic. I think he has more value than Derek Carr. As, you know, Brad was saying, he liked Derek Carr a little better. I think I prefer Wentz of the two. Uh, if, if he did go to Indianapolis, ah, man, I would probably put him towards top end QB2 range maybe. Uh, with more oh, wow. upside, I mean, we, we, we've, seen, we've seen bigger upside from Wentz before. He was a top what three three or four or five quarterback one year in 2018 i believe mm-hmm. i mean he's got the potential man he's just got to have the tools around him he's got to have time in the pocket um time to make plays on his feet i i think the potential is there am i banking on that happening absolutely not uh, after what he showed this season i can't say i'm a wince truther by any means i i do think there is some untapped potential there uh, as far as Derek carr i mean He's okay. I, I, I don't think anything special of him. I mean, I would say, I mean, Brad probably a little higher on him than I am. I would probably put him more towards the, I don't know, average to below average range. I don't, I don't think he does anything necessarily wonderful. I mean, he's, he's decent at what he does. He's, he's not a game changer, especially in fantasy. He's pretty boring. Uh, I, I don't even know who I would, compare him to man you know like I said I'm, I'm a Falcons fan and and Matt Ryan's obviously been great in fantasy but I mean I would kind of put the two on a similar scale with Derek Carr probably behind him and the only reason Matt Ryan's better is because of who he has a wide receiver exactly um, I so would not what I'm thinking like if you put with Derek Carr said, in Atlanta yeah with, with that said though I'd, I'd rather have Matt Ryan than Derek Carr uh for the next two or three years. I'd rather the Falcons just go ahead and draft a quarterback of the future at pick four. I'm not huge on Derek Carr, and and I would honestly call him a middle-tier to – I wouldn't call him – middle-tier quarterback, too, so somewhere around, you know, the 20s uh, or so the if 20s, you, late teens. If you, put, uh, if you put Matt Ryan in Oakland where, you know, Nelson Aguilar was his best – his number one wide receiver, do you think he'd have better or worse stats than David Carr, Derek Carr? I, I think Matt Ryan, it'd probably be similar, but I would take Matt Ryan. I think he, wow. I think Matt Ryan just kind of under, understands the nuances and everything a little better of the game, where to be, uh, where to put the ball, where the plays are going to happen. Uh, I think, I, I haven't really looked up Derek Carr's pressure numbers, but, you know, if Matt Ryan gets a clean pocket, man, he's a good quarterback. It's just you whenever, want... sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, it, it, it's whenever he doesn't have a run game. And when he gets down into the freaking, you know, end zone, he can't hit anybody in the freaking red zone for touchdowns. That's always been Matt Ryan's problem. I do think he'd be better than Derek Carr, though. The one thing I'll say, and then I want to get Doc in here, is I feel like Matt Ryan is not good under pressure. So I feel like if you put him in any situation where he's getting rushed and not any type of offensive line, he's not going to be able to succeed. He's not mobile in the pocket. And I feel like he's one of those guys that just gets jittery feet back there, not kind of stepping into his throws as much, just takes the sacks. So that, that would be one thing where I would be like, I think I could see Derek Carr better than him if it's a situation where the offensive line isn't as good. Uh, but, Doc, I want to get you in here. What are your thoughts on Carson Wentz drama and then Derek Carr because his name's been hot? Yeah, so with Carson Wentz, I think it's interesting because he's due a $10 million uh, bonus if he's on the Eagles of the third day of the league year, which is March 19th. So that's the deadline, basically a month and change that they need to get him out. He's due a big contract, and the Eagles are losing leverage by day, and I think other teams know that. They're going to wait for the asking price to go down because it's uncomfortable in Philly because you know that Jalen Hurts is going to be his replacement. 
unlike what we saw with Detroit, where Stafford ended on good terms, and they basically wanted to do right with each other. So I think as we get closer to that March 19th date, that more teams are going to be aggressive for Wentz's services, but probably not offering a first-round pick plus players, maybe conditional picks, you know, a, a two and a three. Um, Fantasy-wise, I'd rather still have him than Derek Carr because I think he has some mobility. Derek Carr, I think, is a better real-life quarterback. But if I'm the Raiders, I would have Derek Carr one more year. I mean, they played pretty competitive games. They were the they were the only team to beat the Chiefs in the regular season. And, I mean, they're, they traded away Khalil Mack. They got a lot of picks in return. And I still think they're kind of in the rebuilding phase. And I don't think that they're a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. And Derek Carr isn't the reason why they lost games. The one so, show that John's not on, the, the Raider fan yeah. that can tell us. <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, so to any one of you that wants to answer this, what do you think has been the difference from – Carson Wentz last year and this year? Like, why has he taken such a big step down? I think the offensive line is not nearly as good as it once was. You look at his skill position players, he has injuries, just guys are rotating in and out. I mean, he had Travis Fulgham as his number one for half the year. That, that doesn't explain why Jalen Hurts has done well. I know he can, you know, get out so, of pocket a little more, but. So this yeah. this is what am I thinking too is Matthew Stafford was regarded as very high among his teammates for playing through injuries. People want to play with him. You've never heard those reports for Carson Wentz. Like even when he yeah. went down and Nick Foles won, the locker room gravitated towards Nick Foles when Carson Wentz got hurt and then right. Foles took over and they had that playoff stretch. It's like players gravitated towards Foles. And I think when you step back and realize with the backup, the players feel more connected. They don't try as hard. Maybe they don't die for those 50-50 balls or, you know, they, they don't run their routes till the end because they're not as motivated. I don't think Arson Wentz is as good a leader as he as the team wants him to be for how much money he's making and for the position he plays. That's fair enough. Let's move on because I we got a lot of stuff we got to get to here. And let's go to another quarterback that's disgruntled in his situation. We touched on it a couple of weeks ago, but a lot has kind of transpired since then and the Houston Texans basically telling every team that they are not trading Deshaun Watson, according to sources with ESPN. The standoff with the team and its franchise quarterback is set to continue. Watson wants out of Houston and has asked for a trade, and Houston, again, is denying the request and will not even answer calls on Deshaun Watson. So we have a lot of drama going on here, obviously a little more prevalent a couple of weeks, uh, prevalent a couple of weeks ago, uh, but it's still there. It's still going on, even though it's not being talked about as much right now. JJ, I'll start with you first. What are your thoughts with the Deshaun Watson thing going on? Are you on his side? Are you on the Texans' side? Do you think a, a trade ends up happening? What are your thoughts with everything? Oh, man, this is a tough situation. Um, I mean, I think we all understand what the Houston Texans organization is all about, and it's not really representative of what anybody really wants to see in the game today. They, they just seem like they're just ran – back in the 1940s, man. I, I, I don't know how to describe it otherwise. You know, Deshaun Watson, from all accounts, man, he's a great kid. Um, you know, he, he's always given back to the community. He's a great leader, uh, doesn't ever have any issues. He's quiet off the field normally. And, and then all of a sudden, we have this issue right after he signs a huge contract. I mean, something something's wrong, and I think it's on the Texans, man. So I'm not blaming Deshaun at all in this situation. I, I think it's completely just what he's doing because he obviously thinks there's a, a you know a, a bigger issue going on, and 
I mean, if you listen to JJ Watt or any other anybody else in the organization, everybody has a problem with them. So I mean, yeah. there, there there is a there's a big issue. I'm on Deshaun Watson's side. I think he gets traded. I'm not sure. You know, uh, they have so much leverage on that contract. I don't remember the exact numbers, but they can, you know, they can find him all the way up through OTAs. You know, a good bit of money. I can't remember the exact amount. It's like eighty something million. They can void off his contract. Yeah, man. uh, He, you know, it's not quite like you know these running backs. You know, they always wind up showing up and and everything. Normally, they normally report to camp, except you know Le'Veon Bell that one year. They'll normally always show up. I, I I think if it came down to it and the Texans wanted to play hardball, I, I think Deshaun would wind up being there for his teammates, if anything. Uh, he just seems like he's that kind of guy. Um, I'd, I'd, I personally don't think he's going to get traded. Doc, what are your thoughts? I want to have Brago last on this one. Go ahead, Doc. His, history is a way of repeating itself. This is a similar situation to what Trent Williams did with the Washington football team. He held out his services, which is the ultimate negotiation tactic that players can use. You can't force them to play. They don't care if they're losing money. Deshaun Watson is making a shit ton from endorsements. So he doesn't really care if he's losing that money or not. With the Texans, you're losing value because the Washington football team traded Trent Williams for a third and a fifth round pick when they had offers for a first round. So I understand that Deshaun Watson's a better player and he plays a premium position. But I don't think that you're going to probably get better offers than he than you are now. It's not like he's a head case like an Antonio Brown. He's someone that's given his all to the team, and I think the organization has shown that they don't have his back. And trade him now, get some value, do what's right, and try to rebuild the image of the team. Brad, I also want to ask you this, along with your thoughts as well. This goes with Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz is in a similar situation as Deshaun Watson. For any quarterback, whose quarterbacks are the ones that get the humongous deals, mm-hmm. for any quarterback that gets a huge deal and then wants out of that contract before their contract, is, is there something that needs to go in the CBA for owners going forward? Or is that something that's not as much of concern? Because, again, you have Wentz and Watson both under contract for multiple more years, and they're both trying to ask for trades pretty early in their deals. And the team that ha- would trade them have to take a lot of dead money on if they do trade them. Uh, so again, any quarterback that signs these deals is going to put their team in that situation. Brad, your thoughts on the whole Deshaun Watson thing, and is this something that you think going forward should have a different way of, of being adjusted? What do, you, what do you think? So to answer your, your question on the contract, uh, my answer is absolutely not. Um, I think contract is almost a misnomer because if it was contract, that would mean, you know, you're you're obligated to fulfill it, right? The team would be obligated to pay, the player would be obligated to play, and, and you know, the duration of the contract. The team can cut or trade Deshaun Watson whenever they want. Like, it's not actually a contract. They're not obligated to pay him the amount of money. Now, he's so good that they gave in to a no-trade clause for him, so he can pick and choose where he he's going to get traded. So that's that's a little bit of leverage on his end. I think this is an, a fascinating case study in leverage on both sides because, you know, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm not going to let my prime years waste away taking hits in Houston when I have a no-trade clause, they can trade me away. Um, and, you know, you look at guys like J.J. Watt and 
Andre Johnson and what they've said about the organization and how they treat players. It definitely makes sense why he's disgruntled right now. And, you know, for this goes for each and every one of us. If we don't want to work somewhere, we can always leave. Like that's, that's just a basic fundamental right. So for them not to be able to do that, I don't think that's fair at all. So um, I understand where Deshaun Watson's coming from. I think it's, it's perfectly okay. I don't think he's being a crybaby. I don't think he's being, you know, a diva or anything like that. If you're gonna if you're gonna put your body on the line for a company, it should be the company you want to put your body on the line for. Doesn't matter how much you're getting paid, none of that. You have the right to choose how you're gonna spend your time. Um, now, if I'm Houston, quite frankly, I'm not trading him because they're rebuilding. It's not like they're going for a championship. Let's say he holds out, fine. We'll go ahead and void your contract and we'll be terrible and we'll get a top pick and we'll rebuild that way. They have no incentive to trade him because he's under contract. And if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm saying, okay, fine. I just won't play. Um, my value is not going to go down if I sit out because I'm a top five quarterback and those don't grow on trees. Whenever I come back, I saw, you know, Jim Irsay was clamoring for Andrew Luck to come back and he hasn't played in a year. You know, like if you have the body of work that Deshaun Watson has put in, you're always going to be in demand. And I think that Houston can get a haul for him. They can get, you know, two, three first round picks for the right team if they want to. It just depends on if Deshaun Watson wants to go there. So I think it's fascinating that both teams, both parties have leverage, both Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans, because both people can get what they want done and they are in no rush to do it. Very interesting thoughts there. Great discussion on on a lot of moving quarterback parts, and it's going to be continuing all offseason. But if you like all this offseason content, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Subscribe once and get every future episode we have for free. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and a basketball show that you can check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about lighting up the Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review to support the show? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Trip Play Fantasy. Eric and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions, bad takes, and of course, our weekly episode drops. When it comes to podcasts, I can't imagine one with more options than fantasy football. You have Devi, Dynasty, Redraft. I mean, that's three types right there. At the end of the day, talking about a ball and some men, there's so much redundancy. Plain Jane's out there, you know if you know what I'm saying. Why not keep it fresh with the crew who got you to that championship? The podcast that keeps it real and tells you like it is. That's triple play. It's where it's at, my friends. If you're not hip already, you will be soon. Keep on joining us for an amazing offseason of football content with no shortage of incredible guests. And thank you to our loyal listeners for your continued support each and every single week. And we're going to jump right into Super Bowl 55 recap show right after this quick break. Super Bowl 55 recap show going in with Eye of the Tiger. So as we talked about at the top of the show, there's a lot to break down from what we saw this past game, this Super Bowl that was kind of a letdown, but there was a lot to to break down that we have to talk about. And let's let's first start with our first point here, and that's the fantasy impact. And Justin, I'm going to start with you. Let's talk about Leonard Fournette specifically. What happened to him as far as his value next year, as far as where you think you'll draft him? And do you think he's back in Tampa Bay? Man, talk about skyrocketing your stock for next year, man. I, 
I mean, he looked like Leonard Fournette, freaking LSU Leonard Fournette out there, you know, scampering around, sprinting past people, catching balls, man, making people miss. I haven't seen that from him in like two years. So he's, he is so hard to cook, to call next year. I do think Tampa Bay, I mean, I saw that they want to resign him next year. So if he comes back to Tampa Bay, I mean, I think we're still dealing with that same, you know, kind of guessing between, oh, who's going to do good this week, Fournette or Ronald Jones. You know, Jones has been banged up for the past month. So I think Fournette benefited a lot from that. But I do believe somebody out there is going to offer him some money to come in there for a year. If he wants to take a year contract, come in there and, and try and, and show a team that he can be, you know, a bell cow back perhaps. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I can't say for sure. I know that's what's going to happen. Um, I got a feeling Tampa Bay is going to try, but they also have, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Keyshawn Vaughn fan. I really liked his college film. You know, they, they have him to kind of take over that, that role Fournette just played. But if he's not ready, then I could definitely see them, them resigning Fournette. And, 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 and if he resigns with Tampa, you know, I would, I would probably call him like a, you know, a middle round to, you know, early middle round somewhere, maybe fourth, fifth, sixth round somewhere in that range. Yeah, I think he wants to go back to Tampa. I saw him tweet out today. He said, let's run it back. And with like a, that, the, the dude that goes like this or whatever. Uh, so he, the guy that points to his head, like be a, make a smart decision. So You mean Eddie uh, Murphy? That's not Eddie Murphy. Oh, you're Is talking it? about the little meme or whatever? It's the meme, but it's not Eddie Murphy, Eric. No, it's not, it's not it Eddie Murphy. Eddie. Oh no! All right. Wow, this is this is a shock. How do you, not, how do you not know who Eddie what Eddie Murphy looks like? I, I I know what he looks like. It looks exactly like him. In fairness to Doc, you know Eddie Murphy might have a name like that himself. So who knows? <laughs> Doc, let's. You know, they don't show yourself. his teeth. They don't show his teeth. That's why. It doesn't matter. You don't need to see his teeth to know who Eddie Murphy is. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. All go right. ahead, Doc. Well, you couldn't redeem yourself. What are your thoughts about Leonard Fournette? I could see Leonard Fournette taking like a one-year, $8 million deal to stay with the Bucks. He gets a nice yearly salary. They get a chance to run it back. The only way I could see him leaving is if a team drastically overpays. If a team like, I don't know, the Jets offers him a four-year, $52 million contract like they did to Le'Veon Bell. Otherwise, I think he's okay taking one- or two-year deals, playing with Brady, uh, you know, trying to stat pad and get rings early in his career. And then maybe trying to get one bite of the apple come free agency, maybe even next year. No, nah, he's this is I feel like this is his last chance because he's already got so much mileage on him. I feel like he's dead. They even brought it up on the Super Bowl broadcast. They said he doesn't have the same explosiveness that Ronald Jones has. I feel like he's got very old legs with the amount of hits he took in college. So I feel like this is probably his last chance to actually get a deal. So I think he wants to go to Tampa. Maybe he'll take less money to go there. Who knows? Brad, what are your thoughts? So from a fantasy perspective, you know, I look at this as just a singular game, right? It doesn't matter that it's the Super Bowl. He had a very good game. Good for you. He's had those before. Um, that doesn't change where I draft him. In terms of his future, you know, if I were him, I'm like, okay, I just won a Super Bowl. That's off the bucket list. Now it's time for me to get paid and take care of myself. I go to somewhere like, you know, the Steelers or the Jets, you know, somewhere where I can be the bell cow running back. And Steelers don't pay running backs. No, they don't. They don't. But, you know, they had a terrible running game this past year, and maybe they were like, okay, that's what we're missing. That's how we get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl. So if you were to pay for a running back, it would make sense to pay for, you know, a Leonard Fournette, somebody that just had 
a humongous game in the Super Bowl. So if he were to go somewhere like there, where he'd be the number one back, then he starts teetering over the the first or the second round draft pick status for fantasy purposes. That's the only way I'm interested in him. If he goes back to the Buccaneers or anywhere else, he's in a timeshare. I don't I don't really care. All right, I mean he's the one that's a free agent right now. I think a lot of, Chris Godwin is as well. I already heard he's supposed to come back to Tampa Bay. So I assume he'll have very similar type of fantasy value next year if he's back with Tampa. I want to move on to the next subject here, and that's the quarterback discussion from this game. And Eric, I'm going to start with you. What grades are you giving Brady and Mahomes A through F? Be able to explain why it sounds like a lesson. Be able to explain why you're giving them the grades you are. And then my other questions for you. Cement Brady is the best of all time, and what does this do to Mahomes' legacy himself? All right, Mr. Mendelssohn, you teacher, you. Uh, I'm going to give Mahomes a B, and I I don't like, you know, I'm all for Mahomes slander, but when people say this loss is on him, no, it isn't. The only reason they had a fighting chance was because Mahomes, and that throw of him literally being parallel to the ground and flicking it sideways is something that probably one or two people on this earth can do. So... I think he should have gotten a touchdown on the board. I know his receivers dropped some balls. I know he was running for his life, but he's never put up a game like that in his career before. I know he has turf toe. That's why I'm giving him a B. For Brady, I'm going to give him a B plus. I don't think there's too much he had to do. He had he got bailed out by the refs. There's no crucial throws he made. A lot of the like the field goal they had, you know, then there was someone in the neutral zone. And then he ended up throwing a touchdown. He had a lot of opportunities. He didn't make any mistakes, but he wasn't the reason they won the game. I think this does cement Brady as the best of all time. I mean, he has more Super Bowls as an individual than any organization does, and he's done it in both the AFC and NFC. Um, if you're going to ask if he's the best statistical or somebody that can do what Aaron Rodgers does, maybe the most flashy, no, but he wins games, and that's what matters. I think it's too early to say what this does to Mahomes' legacy. David, you and I talked My the other God, day. My God, are you still talking? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just, just finish, finish with this. You and, I, you and I talked the other day that him and Russell Wilson now have had the first same three years of making the playoffs, winning a Super Bowl, and then losing a Super Bowl to Brady. Mahomes hasn't been, or Wilson hasn't been back since. The Super Bowl hangover for the losers is a real thing. If they can come back and respond well next year, I don't think it's a really detrimental to him. But I do think he's going to need to win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years to still have that elevated status. All right, so a lot to say. Brad, hopefully you have good information. That's about half the time Eric said, so go ahead. <laughs> well, I might be half the time, but it's because I completely agree with Eric. I um, I give both quarterbacks these. I think the whole Mahomes thing – if I learned anything about the Super Bowl, it's that Eric Fisher might be the MVP of that team. Like the fact that he left the, you know, left his position because of injury and, you know, three people had to move move over and it affected the offensive line like that where he had no time, I, that that was incredible to me because we saw what they did to the Bucks earlier and that defensive line was great, but they weren't getting to Mahomes like that. So that's one thing. Um, as far as Brady, you know, I give him a B as well. He looks like a professional quarterback. I wasn't wowed. I wasn't like, oh, wow, Tom Brady, is, he's so amazing. You know, if you look at his air yards per target, it was nothing special. It was a lot of catch and run after the catch. Um, bad defense by the, the Chiefs. And, you know, they only got to him, I believe, once. Like, they, 
they weren't pressuring him at all, so they didn't force him to do anything special. I think if you had put, you know, the top 10 quarterbacks in the league in that position, they would have done the same thing that Brady did. Um, in terms of legacy for Mahomes, it does absolutely nothing. Um, we know he's amazing. He's still amazing. This doesn't change that. Brady, he's probably the best quarterback of all time before this, and he's, he's going to be definitely the best quarterback of all time now. You can't compete with seven rings. Um, like Eric said, that's more than any franchise itself. That's absurd. And, um, yeah, I, I just what – was, what, was what was the third question? No, you answered them all. That was see, see, uh, David. See, so. David. David says that we're going long, but he said, "Give a grade. Be be prepared to explain <laughs> it." We're literally answering your rubric, Mister Mendelson. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I mean, just you can be very efficient with it. Uh, a couple of interesting stats for you guys, and I'm sure some people have already read this. Do you guys know how many yards Mahomes ran total in the Super Bowl? If you count like laterally forward, like everything four ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Over it was like over 450 yards. He also was pressured on 29 of his 56 dropbacks, which is good for 52 percent, which is the most pressures against any quarterback in NFL history. So that gives you kind of a a picture of what Mahomes was kind of under on that day, and he was still extending plays. JJ, all the questions for you, man. What are your thoughts on all that? <laughs> yeah, so I, I agree mostly with their grades. I would I, I was thinking of B for Mahomes as well. I mean, I, there's not really much more to, to hit on than that, man. He he was out there running around for his, you know, his life and, and, and making some of the most insane throws I've ever seen, despite, you know, them not being completed. I mean, I think it was the play right before where he kind of got spun around the sideline and just launched it up to Byron Pringle in the corner of the end zone. And I thought that was a touchdown for a second, but, it, you know, it hit the ground in front of him and every and everything. But the fact he... He was, you know, able to move around like that and even and give him a chance to score a touchdown like that was, was insane. Um, you know, it, it's not really fair when, when you're getting Shaquille Barrett in your face, you know, every single play. Um, he, he, he was out there doing what he could, moving around, slinging the ball as best as he could. So I, I, don't, I don't knock him down way too much. I do disagree on Tom Brady's grade, though. Statistically, mm. maybe, statistically maybe he's a B, but he gets an A in my book. Um, especially when he was out there yelling at the coaches, let's keep this, you know, I, I think it was when they were towards the goal line, he started yelling at the coaches, you know, hey, we're running the same play. We're running the same play. That's why Tom Brady, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, man. And I'm going to go ahead and answer that question too. Yes, he's the greatest of all time. Um, you know, he's out there, he's, he's commanding, he's a leader. Uh, you know, everybody that's around him is playing better because Tom Brady's on the field. You know, as a field general, as a quarterback, he gets an A uh, for sure, and without a doubt in my book. Uh, statistically, yeah, I agree with them, B. Um, but as far as just an overall player, guy in the field, he gets an A. Um, as far as Mahomes' legacy, he's still so young. He's already got a Super Bowl. He's going to win more. I mean, they're, they're too good. They're, they're, and I don't, I don't see any way he doesn't get another one. Uh, they do need to go draft him another wide receiver, I think. That would be nice. But um, I, I don't think it tarnishes his legacy. He's, he's so young, it's too soon to say. Yeah, right. They're gonna lose Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins in free agency. Byron Pringle is actually—I I love Byron Pringle so much. I hope he gets a chance next year to they take more snaps. Cook uh, Godwin. That would be nice. We don't have the money for that, though. Unfortunately, we're fighting very believe, much against the cap. I don't believe in salary cap hell anymore, man. Everybody always <laughs> restructures those contracts. They can find a way. 
That, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but let's talk about Chris Godwin and let's talk about these other skill players in this game, the skill position guys. Talk about the guys on both sides of the ball. Give me your thoughts on the, the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Don't have to touch on every single one, but ones that kind of caught your eye and how they performed in this game. Let's start with you, Brad. Sure. Um, tight ends, you got to love how Gronk looks. It's almost like they saved him the entire year for that one game. Um, it helps that they were against, I believe, the you know the 28th ranked defense against tight ends, I believe. So that might have just been luck of the draw, or maybe they were saving them. I don't know. But uh, tight ends looked great. Um, wide receivers, it was kind of shocking to see how non-existent Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were. Um, I don't think I would have bet on that to start the game, and I don't think you know it was a you know an instance of the Chiefs shutting down the Bucks wide receivers. I think it was, again, just more of a game plan thing where we're going to target the tight ends because they're not defending the middle well and we have time to, to pick them apart. Um, yeah, and I think the running back position, you know, the Chiefs are interesting. I, I don't know what to make of that because CEH had an incredible year, um, but he was also hurt. Like, he was, he was just now fighting back from that injury that he had. I think that was his he had two weeks of being out, and then this was his first game back. So um, I don't know what to make of that. And Le'Veon Bell didn't get enough enough work for me to make you know a determination on if he's done or if he's not done. Um, I think when we're you know in the age of timeshares, like it's it's tough to determine skill sets. You know, Rojo had a pretty non-existent game in the Super Bowl, but we know the type of running back he is. It just happened. Lenny had the hot hand, so he was getting all the carries. So. It's tough to make anything of the running back position these days in a timeshare. No, I agreed, and that's the day and age we are in in the NFL. No, usually bell cows except for a couple teams, so it's very interesting to try to assess fantasy value. JJ, what about you, some skill position players that caught your eye this game? Well, what caught my eye in a negative way was everybody in the Chiefs receiving core outside of the big two. Do you all know how many yards that they all combined for? I think it must have been something like 11 or something. Yeah, they combine. I'm including like five guys. So Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman, and Byron Pringle. It looks like they combined for about like 30, no, 28 yards, something like that. Something, something ridiculous. I mean, McCole Hardman went two for four in the Super Bowl. Do you guys know who the Chiefs passed on in the NFL draft? DK draft Metcalf. DK Metcalf, and I said it at the time that you needed to draft. <laughs> you needed to draft DK Metcalf. I get a lot of things Here's wrong. Here's the emotions is, coming out of David. David that was something I said at the well this That was something I said at the time, and again, I will admit when I'm wrong, and I'm wrong a lot. That was one thing I said they need to go get this guy. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, it's not God, even just DK Metcalf. They also passed on Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. and Deontay Johnson, who went like right after him. So for, for me, it's it's what's Kansas City going to do going forward outside of the big two? I mean, Travis Kelsey's getting older now. He only has maybe, you know, two or three years left. They got to go get them a playmaker, man. They, they they don't have another playmaker. I mean, McCole Hardman's fast. I don't know how good of a wide receiver he actually is, though. That was my big takeaway from them, and, and a big reason why I think, you know, other than obviously Mahomes getting pressured and running around for his life, there was still no separation, man. If you go back and watch those highlights, those Bucks defenders were all over those guys. Um, as far as, you know, obviously Travis Kelsey's great. Uh, Tyreek Hill's great. Going over to the Bucks, 
Chris Godwin is one of my favorite wide receivers in the NFL. That was a frustrating game. I'm not giving up on Godwin. I If he comes back to Tampa Bay, I'm worried. I more so want to see what they do with Antonio Brown. Um, I do think Godwin's better off as a slot wide receiver. You know, he's a he's a dynamic, yeah. fast guy that can kind of find ways open in the middle of the field through the zones or beat a guy deep. Um, and he didn't really have that role this year. And as we saw, he wasn't really as dynamic as he was in 2019. Um, Mike Evans, obviously he wants to come back to Tampa Bay, man. Um, I, I, I saw him saying that, you know, he's in a contract year. He'll take less money. When, I don't know what that would do for his fantasy value. I think it would probably keep it kind of kind of where it was where we were heading into the season, if not a little further back, just because, you know, there's there's so much talent in Tampa Bay, and, and, and it kind of looks like they're trending towards being more of a run-heavy team as long as they have Tom Brady. And that's what he prefers. You know, that that's where he, he he's best. He has a, When he has a good run game, he can kind of, you know, play action, figure figure out where to go with the ball, figure out what the defense is doing, come up a man. Um I think that's that's best for them. So I, I do think, you know, uh, Evans is, is going to be a good option, like always next year. Um, and then as far as the running back situation, we've already touched on it. Ronald Jones is – I like Ronald Jones more than Leonard Fournette. On it. Like, I think he's one of the most explosive backs in the NFL. He's just banged up this, this playoff games. And, and fortunately, they don't really give him the chance to showcase his full abilities. I know he's not great in the pass game by any means. And that's where Fournette came in. Uh, but I, I, I do think I like Ronald Ronald Jones a lot next year still as well. I think he's going to be kind of undervalued heading into, into 2021 drafts. I think it's also kind of – go ahead. Has my mic been off this entire time? Yes, now that it sounds really clear. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's fine. They get to suit in for a, a surprise at the end. That's, that's the best part. <laughs> uh, I think it's kind of interesting because I've already heard they said it's a matter of when and not if James White is brought in to that running back room in Tampa Bay because Tom's going to ask for him. So that's going to muddy it up even more with the Tampa Bay running backs if they bring back Fournette too. So that's something to keep an eye on. Doc, finish this discussion out, and then let's move on to the next one. Yeah, I just think it's surprised the lack of involvement from the players you would. Kelsey had 10 for 133, had some bad drops. Tyreek Hill had 7 for 73. You'd expect the wide receivers Godwin and Evans to do big. Evans had 1 for 31. Godwin had two for nine. Burnett had more catches and receiving yards than both of them combined. I don't think you expected that coming in the Super Bowl, but they won, and I'm sure that they'd rather have a ring than put up the stats. Yeah, was that short well, enough for you, David? That was that was perfect. That was a. I almost want to give you a round of applause for that, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm you so, smooches over the mic. There we go. Let's move to the next topic here, and that's Buccaneers defense versus Chiefs O line, and just like in a 30 second or less. How much credit are you giving the Bucks D line compared to the Chiefs O line? So are you giving sixty percent to forty percent Bucks D to Chiefs O line as far as the how it kind of contributed to how the game turned out? Kind of give your percentage and then why you feel that way. Let's start with JJ. Oh man, it's, uh, I would probably put it. I don't want to not give them enough credit, but I would probably put it sixty forty towards the Chiefs O line just being bad. I mean, Shaquille Barrett was literally just making one move and running past that left tackle on almost every single play. You had, uh, you know, Sue breaking free. You had Vita Vea breaking free. You had JPP. I mean, it was it was ridiculous, man. The, the offensive line was obviously not right for the Chiefs. It was just way too easy. 
But at the same time, I mean, that, that Bucks defense is stacked, especially in that front seven. They made it difficult. You know, they kind of disguised some of their blitzes. They, they hit it pretty well, made it, made it a lot harder on them. And they got to Mahomes so quick, uh, you got to give them some credit. So I would say about 60-40 towards the KCO line being bad. Yeah, Mike Remmers should not be with the team next year. <laughs> that, was, that was very hard to watch. Doc, what about you? What percentage credit are you giving each? I'm giving 60-40, but 60 to the Bucks D-line. Because if you think about it, I mean, they not only got after the quarterback, but they played physical. The Chiefs looked scared out there, not only for the offensive line, but the receivers were dropping balls. They looked like they were wincing every time that they were going to get hit. And I think from the first play of the game, the Bucks set the tone to be physical. And I think that trend continued, which is why I give them that edge. All right, Brad, what about you? I'm probably going 80-20 with the Bucks, or sorry, the Chiefs offensive line getting most of the credit for being bad. Um, that Bucks D, it's it's very stacked, but they were stacked when the Chiefs played the Bucks in the regular season, and Ty Hill had like 250 yards on him. Like I love that my man Todd Bowles is getting all the credit, and hopefully he gets a coaching job again after this. But I think it's fair to say that. You know, that Chiefs offensive line is excellent at keeping Mahomes at least, you know, relatively fresh or giving him enough time that he can do something amazing. And that's really all he needs because he was doing amazing things with no time in the Super Bowl. So um, I think this was mainly, you know, uh, a showing that Eric Fisher is incredibly important to this team. And he tore his Achilles. He might not even be back next year. So that's yeah. going to be they, – they need to draft – some tackle. They don't like the Chiefs don't pay O line. That's the system that they do. They draft late O linemen, and when their contracts are up, they just swap more and more guys and they paid for their tackles, but the interior three they don't pay for. Um, and that's going to have to change because both tackles aren't guaranteed to be back for next season. So that's going to be seeing how that plays out. And, and good job giving credit to Todd Bulls because I think people forget he led a similar Jets team to what they have now to 10 wins not too long ago, a team yep. that's been struggling to get two or three the last few years. So I think he hopefully will get a, a coaching opportunity. What, I can't imagine if, you know, Andy Reid had to miss that game because of what happened with his son. If that same thing had happened and Eric Bieniemy got all the credit for, for blowing that Super Bowl, I, who knows what would happen for his future. Wow. So I don't know. That's a great point. I, it would have been unfair, but you're right. Those probably would have been whispering out there. Um, it's It's crazy, honestly. And, I'm I'm sure I don't want to give excuses. I'm sure that had to be weighing on Andy uh, oh, no doubt. for part of the game. Let's go to the last part of this game that we're going to talk about, and that's the penalties. And Eric, I'm going to start with you. Do you thought did you think the game was called correctly? Too many flags for your liking? Your thoughts on the officiating overall? Uh, the officiating was terrible in the first half, and you know I am all about the Chiefs losing, but some of those calls were egregious. I mean the the. Uh, pass interference from Gronk in the end zone when it wasn't even a catchable ball. That was Mike uh, Evans. That was Mike Evans? I thought yeah. Mike Evans was the one on the sideline. That one was kind of BS, too. I mean, yeah, there are two BS on Mike Evans, but continue. Yeah, so I think that it wasn't called consistently. Um, and, you know, David, I know you live-tweeted through the show. Anyone that had even in five followers that said something about how bad the officiating was, you made sure you retweeted it. That wasn't the reason why the Chiefs lost, but I think 
when stuff like that happens, especially when we found out in the past that there's been games that have been fixed, especially, you know, another sport, but the NBA, you just can't help but think like, is there, is there an incentive? Is somebody betting this? Because we've seen money ruin some things and capitalism is a real thing. Like I said, the refs aren't the reason why that the Bucks won the game, but they were clearly favored with those penalties. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I, everybody can go to my Twitter and see my emotions. I'm not going <laughs> to echo them on here, but um, like you said, it, ultimately they would have lost regardless just with the O-line, D-line difference. But uh, I've... I've watched a lot of games and I've never seen things almost as one-sided as what I watched. And it makes me think of the Jacksonville Patriots game from 2017 where Miles Jack had that fumble return for a touchdown. And I remember the game being pretty much every single penalty was against that Jacksonville vaunted defense. And we have a friend that's a Jags fan. And he said, he said, brother, he said, what you're going through now is what I went through in 2017. He said, welcome to the Brady bias. And I'd never been fully immersed into it until this happened. So um, it, it's a real thing. I think it actually, like you said, whether it's betting, whether it's just it's Tom Brady and the refs just have those different rules, like it's like LeBron James in basketball, whatever there it is, there definitely might have been something at play. And I'm going to stop myself before I go on a tangent. So, so. so, so before before you get to the next person, I think that they gave the Bucks the calls in the first half because they thought it was going to be a closer game. They wanted the Bucks to have the lead because they knew that Mahomes would come back. I think if they knew the rest of the game was going to play out the way it was, they wouldn't have made those calls. I agree with you, and I'll, I'll stop myself there. Go ahead, Brad. Uh, to everything Eric's saying, there's a great podcast. I'm going to do a little free plug here. There's a great <laughs> podcast called uh, Whistleblower, which basically uh, goes into you know a huge biography and, and background story of uh, Tim Dunahy, who was the NBA ref who got caught up in, a, in the, uh, the game-fixing scandal. That's a great listen, and it really details how refs can influence the game and how they did influence the game for the NBA. Um, in terms of what we watched in the Super Bowl, I guess I was watching a different game. I did not think it was that big a deal, not at all in the slightest. Like, sure, some of the pass interference calls could have been you know, uncatchable balls, but at the very least, you could have called holding on them. Like, it's not like it swung the game in any which way. Um, I think Eric makes a good point that, you know, officials can have a a little bit of a game-swinging bias where, you know, maybe you call something that might have been ticky-tack or 50-50 call. You call it a certain way because you want to anticipate what might happen later in the game. I see that. It very well could have happened, but I didn't see anything egregious where I was like, okay, this game's being fixed. That's fair. I mean, everybody I know is not necessarily thinking it was that bad. Um, that, that's fine. JJ, I feel like I, I feel some – you siding with the, the Chiefs fans on this one. Am I wrong? Well, as a personal victim of 28-3 to 3, um, <laughs> and Brady bias in Israel, I will say that. Uh, I mean, it's – when you have what 90 more penalty yards than your opposition, I think it was or somewhere close to that. I I just feel like something something was off. Uh, I, now the the calls on Brashad Breeland, I think those were pretty bad, especially the one to me. The one that was bad was when he was kind of trailing behind Evans. Uh, mm-hmm. so he kind of tripped up and his hand like kind of tapped his heel, and you can blatantly see Evans looks like he just flops. They call they you know they throw the flag on that one. I did not like that call at all. I thought they were you know they didn't they didn't really let the Chiefs secondary 
you know, play way too aggressive. Um, and you can probably go back and, you know, watch in all 22 or whatever highlight tape and see DBs doing what the KC defenders were doing 90% of the time. I thought those refs were being way too aggressive with their secondary. But at the same time, I feel like it, the game wouldn't, you know, it may have been a little bit closer, but I don't, I, I think Tampa Bay still would have won the game. I don't think it affected the outcome. Yeah, that's, that's I think, why Chiefs fans, including myself, aren't sitting here still live tweeting how pissed we are about it because the game obviously was still going to be a loss for us with the, again, the interior, how it was played. Uh, but the, the ones, the, the pass interference in the end zone, when it's, Giannis couldn't have jumped and caught that ball. Like, let's be real. So that ball, and then there was the one on the sideline that Matthew picked off that Mike Evans wasn't even in the play. He was literally on the side. It was a little of a ticky-tack 50-50 call as far as a little handsy thing, but he wasn't even in the play. You let, you got to let the guys play, I think, at that point. You don't want to decide the game no, in the don't. Super Bowl. <laughs> David says, I'm going to stop myself, but then yeah. saves his rant towards the end. I, I'm, I <laughs> mean, get, I'm getting like five. You get five to ten. Or I think it's like five yards to, to bump. But after that, it's a holder. It's a pass interference. Like that's. I agree you don't have to call it, but it is a pass interference. I did see some Packers fans putting, so wait, so what is this then? And it's the one on Alan Lazard that changed the game that wasn't called. Uh-huh. So it should have been called. So it's again, if you're going to do that, you got to do it like both ways. If you're going to be overly aggressive about things like that. And then in the, uh, in the Packers-Bucks game, they were letting them play. They weren't calling anything. And then all of a sudden, they called that out of nowhere. Listen, and in this- I'm, I'm a firm believer that in every sport, like I, I believe in robot umps. I believe in robot refs. Like, there's no reason to have human error be this, you know, this much of an impact in a game that means so much financially and, you know, m- mentally for everybody involved. Well said, Brad. Well said. And we'll close that discussion out on that. And that is that was some great Super Bowl debating. Loved it. Let's move now to our question of the week. And our question of the week usually is sponsored. But we are in the midst of a, uh, a big transition here on the show that we're going to keep under wraps for about another week or so. And you guys will hear it first on Twitter, what's going to be happening. But for now, no free advertising. So we're going to go right to the question of the week. And that is, would you rather lose multiple Super Bowls in a row or not make it at all? And so to add the second part of that question, if you are okay with losing multiple in a row where would you draw the line is okay this is enough and let's start with you jj i mean i'd rather i'd rather lose multiple super bowls in a row for the rest of my life than never make a super bowl at least you get to experience it right (laughs) means means you have at least a you know a good team you just got got beat by the best Uh, so you know i mean you you could probably become numb after you've lost like 10 in a row you're like okay it doesn't even affect you anymore i mean you could still fake yourself out and be like hey man we might do it this year you know we might do it this year and then uh, you lose us sucks we'll do it again next year (laughs) you know maybe we'll get it back maybe maybe we'll get us one and yeah i would rather keep teasing myself i mean that's kind of what i do with atlanta sports anyways (laughs) so it works for me that's very true you've been battle tested my friend so you (laughs) that is definitely i can understand that answer what about you doc I'd rather not make the Super Bowl. I feel like that's got to be so deflating to get one win away and to constantly lose. Like, think about when your career's over, you're going to say, wow, I was on this big stage and can never capitalize. I'd rather be like, you know, if you didn't make the Super Bowl, oh, I played well, it wasn't the other people. 
But if you can get there consistently and never win, yeah, that would haunt me. I can understand that. Obviously, you saw it last year with the Niners and that emotion. You're like, I don't want to go through that multiple times. So I, I get it, man. I get it. What about you, Brad? I'd probably rather never make a Super Bowl because if you keep making it, your expectations change, right? Like, you look at the Chiefs. Like, you guys won the Super Bowl last year, and you got there this year. You, you're super disappointed, you know, because you lost. But if you didn't even get there, you didn't make the playoffs, I don't know how you'd feel. You'd probably be even more disappointed. You wouldn't know what to do with the franchise, whether to tear it down, who to keep, who to trade. Um, I, I'm a Washington fan, so I haven't sniffed the playoffs since, well, I guess this past year. But yeah, like it, it didn't really count because <laughs> it was terrible and we had a losing record. Like that RG3 year where we actually had a winning record and a dynamic quarterback, that was the most fun I had as a Washington fan in my you know, entire life of being conscious. And, so, and all y'all had to do was start Taylor Haneke all year. That's what y'all should have done. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> also, well, if you don't play in the Super Bowl, you're saving hits on your body. Very true. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, part of the fun of doing this is not to make the playoffs. It's that, you know, you have the hope of winning the Super Bowl. So if you just get there and you never make it, like think about those those Bills fans that, got their three Super Bowls in a row and they lost every single one of them. They're still chasing that. Like they, that's that's something that each one like, you know, you go on ESPN and every time the playoffs rolls around they're doing a, a little mini documentary on those fans. So it's not it's not a, a feeling that I envy and I, I'd rather I'd rather be on the winning side. That's fair enough. I think you guys represented your points for your answers very well. So I would um if I'm being honest, having gone through both sides of it the last two years, I think I would rather go and lose just because everybody's watching your team on that big stage. So you still get the rush of watching them play. And you know, no, you David, to- coming from a, uh, from a guy where his team lost when they were 97% to win in the fourth quarter, you don't want that. And another thing is everybody has an opinion on the team that you've watched the entire year that they're probably just watching for like the first or second time. That's incredibly annoying for somebody like me who likes to argue with people. (laughs) Well said, Brad. Well said. (laughs) Let's move to our final thing of the night, and that's our game of the week. My basketball fans, stand up. You guys know, uh, JJ, tell me you know where that's from. Uh, What's that, NBC? The NBA on NBC? There you go, yeah. Yeah. That's the most iconic music, I think. Um, I even got Brad smiling over there. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, so our game of the week is, this week is supposed to be hosted by John. He could not make the show tonight, so Brad is stepping in as the host of the game this week. Brad, what are we playing? John always comes through with the questions. Uh, we're playing a game called Philosopher or Coach. I'm going to read you a quote. You're going to tell me if it's from a philosopher or a coach. If you can guess the philosopher or a coach, you'll get an additional one point. If you get that it's a philosopher or a coach, you get one point. So let's start it off. I'll do um, the same rotation each time. We'll go JJ, Dave, and then Doc. So the first quote, yes. Treat a man as he is, and he will remain as he is. Treat him as he could be. And he will become what he should be. That's got to be a philosopher. 
Um, opposed to guess who? Oh, yeah. You can get the extra point if you get the philosopher right. Oh, man. I mean, Socrates, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go philosopher. I'll go Aristotle. By the way, keep track of your own scores. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to go coach, and I'm going Vince Lombardi. One point for Eric. It's a coach, and it's Jimmy Johnson. All right. All right, number two. End the game. End the game. <laughs> number two. We don't live in our fears. We live in our hopes. Hmm. I'm going to go coach. I'll say Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, I'm going to go coach, and I'm going to go Don Shula. I'm going to go philosopher, and I'm going to go Confucius. It is a coach, and it's Mike Tomlin. It's a point for Dave and JJ. That's the first name right. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number three. Success is not forever, and failure isn't fatal. Well, we got two two for coach. We'll go coach again, and I'll go Vince Lombardi. I'm going to go philosopher. I'm going to go Plato. Oh, David, look at you. I've learned just from doing this game so many times. I know like five of them. <laughs> I mean, it would it would totally be a John thing to say, I'm going to do three coaches in a row. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go philosopher. I'm going to go Confucius. I'm going to double down on this answer. It's a coach, and it's Don Shula. <laughs> That's what I said last time. <laughs> oh, man. Should have just waited another one. All right, here we go. Number four. If we were supposed to talk more than we listen, we would have two mouths and one ear. All right, I'm finally going to go philosopher. And I'm going to go random name, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Whoa. Where, where did that come from? I, wow. I just remember him from English class, man. I, I don't know. I don't know any philosophers. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go philosopher and I'll go Plato again. I'm going to go philosopher and Aristotle. Philosopher Mark Twain. Oh, man. I'm not even oh, sure if Mark Twain's that. a philosopher. but I, I was going to say, is Mark Twain a philosopher? That's such a yeah. stretch. He's an author, <laughs> a novelist. Either way, you guys get the point. All right. So wait, is there, is there 10? There's 10, but we can shorten it to five if you want. I know we're I will, running over. We can, I mean, I'm still, we can do the 10. I've got two. All right. I got two. I think I've got Maybe two. I think I've got three. Uh, I might All be right. wrong. Got three. What you cheating over there? <laughs> All right, number five. Four, five, three, two. A total commitment is paramount to reaching the ultimate in performance. I'm gonna go coach, and I'm gonna say, oh man, these are tough. Trying to think of all these people. We'll go Tom Landry. I'll go coach, and I'll go Vince Lombardi. I'm going to go coach. I'm going to say Bill Parcells. It is a coach, and it's Tom Flores. Mm. Mm. All right. Number six. The life of man is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. Mm. Philosopher. Confucius. Philosopher Socrates. Philosophy Aristotle. <laughs> Philosopher Thomas Hobbes. 
<laughs> ah. <laughs> These are getting that was my right. next guess. Here we go. Number seven. No man's knowledge here can go beyond his experience. It's got to be a philosopher. Um, Aristotle, philosopher. I'm going to go coach. I'm going to go Mike Holmgren. I'm going to go coach. I'm going to say Vince Lombardi. It's a point for JJ. Philosopher John Locke. Hmm. <laughs> Number eight. The greater the difficulty, the more glory in surmounting it. I'm going to say coach, and I'll go with Jimmy Jones. I'm going to go coach, and I will go with Jimmy Johnson. Sorry, I said the wrong last name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go coach, and I'll go Bill Cower. I'm at the point now where I need to start playing catch-ups. I'm going philosopher, and I'm going Socrates. Point for Eric, it's a philosopher. Mm. Uh, negative point for me, I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. <laughs> Epicurus? I don't even know. Yeah, I've never heard of him. All right, so number nine, we're almost there. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence is not an act, but a habit. Coach, Vince Lombardi. I'm, I'm pretty sure that... Uh, I'm a, no, I have to go different to try to top him. I'll say philosopher, and I'll go Socrates. I think it's it's definitely a philosopher. It's either Socrates or Aristotle, and I'm going Aristotle. Whoa, two points for Doc. Philosopher, <laughs> and it's Aristotle. Is that like the second time it's ever happened where they've gotten both of them? I think so. I think so. That's one of my favorite quotes, though. So. I, uh, I think I got a one-point lead now. I was about to say, what are your scores right now? This is the I have, last one. I have four. I think I have five. I might be wrong. I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> I got seven. So I definitely right. think that. Maybe I have six. Let's say you have six. I think you have six. I think you do have six. Okay. Right, I'm trying one. to keep my hand up, but I think I might have lost one. <laughs> this one's for all the marbles. Brad, Brad, you should let me go first. All right, fair. This one's for all the marbles. I'll let Doc go first. When you are content to be simply yourself and don't compare or compete, everybody will respect you. I feel like the compete and respect, it would totally be a John thing to start with three philosophers and end with three philosophers. So I'm going to say philosopher Nietzsche. I'm going to go coach and I'll go Nick Saban. I'll go philosopher and Socrates again. <laughs> philosopher Lao Tzu. Congratulations <laughs> to Doc with the FaceTime and the win. Doc, I will give you your one person cheering. Yay! That's more than you. <laughs> and you can get your 15 second FaceTime and then we'll get JJ out of here. I feel like I always win this game besides when JL comes on. Maybe I have a gift for knowing the difference between philosophy and coaching. Uh, maybe that's a career change that I have coming up. I want to give the rest of my time to JJ, though. All right. Well, JJ, you get the full crowd because you were an awesome guest. Really Wait, appreciate is that, the, is, is, is that the crowd after the Bucks won the Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, where's the mute button? 
Uh, but yeah, Jada, we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you, the stuff you're working on, or anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. I had a great time. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JJ underscore Jet Flying, no G at the end. Um, I'm currently working up some some baseball articles, uh, which you know none of these people on this podcast may not care about. Um, but of more interest, I am, I am slowly working on my dynasty wide receiver rankings, uh, heading into the draft. So, uh, I don't know when those are going to be done. I mean, I'm dealing with, you know, my wife is a nurse. She works night shift. I got a two year old, uh, on top of, uh, you know, a full day shift job. So I'm trying to balance all that together. I can't give you any rough estimates when I'll be done with everything, but I'm working on it and, uh, just, you know, check me out on Twitter and, and give me a follow. He's a, a great follow, speaking for someone that, that sees a lot of his work and the stuff he puts out. Great guy in the fantasy community overall, so make sure you follow him if you're not already. And thank you, everyone, for listening, watching. Make sure you start watching some rookie tape. Keep up with free agency and trades, because we don't have any football coming for a while. So stick with us all off-season to not only give you some fun topics and player interviews to listen to, but we'll help you get a jump on your fantasy seasons for next year. We will catch you all next week. See y'all then.